when a leader is vulnerable, that means that that leader can say, I don't have all of the answers. You can be confident in your role as a leader, which is all about drawing out good ideas from the team and making sure that everyone on the team has what they need so that they can see, can succeed. But if you're vulnerable, that means that you can say, I don't have all the answers and team, let's figure that out together so that we can create what you talk about, win-win opportunities and win-win outcomes. That to me is what vulnerability is all about. And, and, and that's the big thing for me. It's, it's when we can remain curious that a good leader, when he hears something that doesn't agree with what he already believes, says, wonderful, what can I learn about this? How can I, what's the different frame that may help me increase my own learning? If I can't hear those things, if I can't re retain that curiosity, then I've limited myself to what I've already grown to. But wait, there is more. Yes, there is more because you're going to hear me today as I drill down in asking these tough questions as far as when, where, how. All of this is going to be unpacked today as you listen to your delightful host, the great interviewer himself, the one who is able to drill deep and ask the right questions. Because not everybody can do this. Only your trained and extremely talented and delightful podcast host like myself can do. And that's why you're going to stay tuned because... You're going to get what it is you come from. Yes, my friend. Yes, my friend. My friend, my friend, my friend. We get a street Oh, yeah. So we are going to dig into that and you're going to hear more of that. So stay tuned. Make sure that you're strapped in as we get ready for blast off. So here we go. Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcast on emotional intelligence by Spot, And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And on today's show, we have two special guests. 
And you're going to hear them in a few moments share with you how to become a more effective leader. Actually, what I love about this is that they're going to tell you about some essential skills that will help you. And in becoming that effective leader, it will help you to, to lead and succeed in today's workplace. That is what many leaders struggle with. Maybe that's what you're struggling with. The question is, how can I become effective? All that's happening today in our world, how do I eke out that success strategy, that plan? Well, today you're going to hear our guest share with you how to do that. Listen carefully to some things that they mentioned. You don't want to miss that, that as you kind of lean in, because I have two people sharing from different angles, which is one of my first to have two people at the same time. But you're going to hear them really in their own respective way, reiterate what is so essential without repeating themselves, which is so brilliant. And I really can't wait for you to have this, to listen to this. So I want to say thank you for being here. If this is your first time, thank you. I'm glad you made it. If this is your second, third, fourth, fifth time, umpteenth time, my friend, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I truly appreciate that. This show has been brought to you by Kingspire Communication, where we help leaders become better in their work because simply by increasing engagement in the workplace, higher productivity, and also higher retention of their best people. That comes through our training, coaching, and keynote speaking that we'll do. So if you're interested in that, head over to kingsleygrant.com, kingsleygrant.com, connect with us, and let's see if we can do some work together and if we'll be a good fit. So I look forward to hearing from you very, very quickly. Now, my friend, I know you've come for this show. So let's now, without further ado, would you put your hands together and help me welcome to the show, Mr. Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan. Thank you for joining me on the Kings of Grand Show, where emotional intelligence and leadership skills intersect. This show is designed for leaders who want to know what works and what doesn't work in today's workplace. And to help us to do that, we have some special guests on our show, on the show today. We have with us Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan. Let me tell you a little bit about both of them, and then we'll kind of dive in and talk more about this topic of leadership today. Brett and Cooper and Evans Kerrigan are co-founders of Integris Performance Advisors and co-authors of the new best-selling book, Solving the People Problem, Essential Skills You Need to Lead and Succeed in Today's Workplace. It's a privilege to have you both here today. How are you doing today, both Brett and Evans? Doing great, Kinsley. Thanks. Doing fantastically here as well. Awesome. Great to hear that. So where in the world is Brett and Evans today? So Brett is in San Francisco, California. And Evans is in Marlton, New Jersey. Ooh, across the expanse of, of, of land and space right there. So if someone should come to the New Jersey area and San Francisco area where you are, Brett, and also where, what would you say is a must-do or a must-see and a must-taste for your region? 
Sure. So I'm going to go with a couple of interesting ones here from New Jersey. Uh, I'm kind of between Philadelphia and the seacoast. So if it's in the summer, I would say you got to get down to the shore. And there's so many different towns on the shore that have different things to offer. You can find kind of the perfect place for yourself. But for me, I'm a little bit of a history buff. So going into Pennsylvania, going to Philadelphia specifically to see about the history of our nation is just one of the really you must do it at least at some point to kind of see where we came from. For a must taste, Philadelphia is ranked one of the top restaurant cities in the country. But I've got to be perfectly honest. For me, I can stay really local. There's a little ice cream shop around the corner called Leo's Ice Cream. That's a specialty that uh, I got to do as often as I can. They're actually still open here in November. Uh-huh. Nice, nice. Well, and here in San Francisco, my gosh, there is so much for people to see. Uh, but I, I will say that a place that people need to see is Fisherman's Wharf. Mm-hmm. I was actually in the city just two days ago celebrating my daughter's 18th birthday, Ooh. and we went down to the wharf. And uh, this actually goes, Kingsley, right into your second question of what to taste. We went down on the wharf, and we all got big bowls of clam chowder in sourdough bread bowls. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Well, so we can go and have the, the uh, bread dough and all of that and then go across and have the ice cream in New Jersey. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a plan. That sounds great. So, um, you know, when I think about these ideas of even the, the ice cream place or the fisher place, I, I realize there's sometimes some kind of um, – a person planning or strategizing about how to place their business and so on so that they can get the best um, advantage of that from their customers and so on. So there's some planning going on. When I think of planning, I'm thinking of, here we go, leadership. I think of somebody who has thought about something, put it together, and is leading other people to that outcome or to them inviting them into a process. So when you hear the word leader or leadership, what comes to your mind, both Brett and Evans? So, so I'll go ahead and get started. I, we work with a lot of uh, leaders who are trying to improve their skills. And, and for me, leadership, uh, I'm going to give you two words, so I'm going to cheat right up front. <laughs> the, the first word for me is leadership is a relationship. It's a relationship we create with the people that we're working with and the people that we're serving. And it, it's really important that we actually build those strong relationships The other word that I always use with leadership is this one. I use the word possibility because if without a leader, things can kind of go along. But the real possibilities is when somebody takes that torch to create a vision of what we can do and helps see something that isn't there already and creates a new possibility for people. So for me, those are kind of two words that are critical around leadership. Yeah, and Evans and I have been working together for almost 20 years, so our, our, our definitions of this Kingsley are obviously very similar <laughs> by now. So I will be additive, and, and I will say uh, support, support and enabling. A lot of people think about leadership and think, oh, that means that I need to be the one telling everybody what to do because I'm the leader, I know what's right. And if there's anything that Evans and I have learned over these years and, and really what we wrote uh, are in our book, Solving the Pupil Problem, is it's being a leader is all about focusing on the other people, understanding the other people and figuring out what can you do to enable them to succeed. And, and why is that so important? Because I find that, yes, yeah, support and enabling a relationship and possibility, as you both have described, is so important and is an imperative for leaders. 
And I find some leaders may, may look at that, okay, well, I don't have time for that. I, I need to get things done. I need to get to the bottom line. But, but why would that be so important for them to take time out of their busy schedule to build relationship and then to support the others? That's time consuming. I don't have time for that. It, it's time consuming, but it's the only way you actually get results. If, if you really look at it, leadership is around working with others and wow. in, in, in helping to accomplish something that can't be done by one person. And, and as society has moved forward, it's, it's more and more infrequent that you can actually get something done just by yourself. You need others. And, and we build those relationships because we're going to need them at some point. And, and you, relationships don't get built when the crisis is there. They get built when it doesn't feel like we need to do it right now, but that's what enables us to meet the crisis when it shows up. So it, it's about laying the groundwork and it's about looking at when leaders are concerned about how their people are successful, they can't help but become successful themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what we see. Yeah, yeah. If we're, if we're talking about a leader wanting to push through a specific action right now and that's the only thing they care about, Sure, they might take that that approach where it's all about me and I'm pushing it and I'm just going to drive, drive, drive. However, most leaders in most businesses are looking at the long term. At the long term, right? As as Simon Sinek talks about, it's the infinite game, mm-hmm. right? It's it's what are we going to do? Not just today, not just this week, but what are we going to achieve over the months and years ahead? And as Evans just identified. That's all about relationships because any leader is not going to be very successful if they are trying to push by themselves all the time. You know, what, what I'm hearing, it sounds like you both are on this people-oriented path rather than product-oriented. Would that be a fair statement? Absolutely. And, 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 and then I find that sometimes where people, when they realize, and people are very intuitive, they know when you are there to get out of them something rather than trying to do something for them, right? And so they can create a, a like a toxicity, you know, a pushback and, and who gets what, right? So when a, that tug of war is happening in that, how can a leader wanting to build a relationship but find that it can have a strenuous work and to support them, how they can they navigate that in what way? How would you recommend that they take that first step to navigate those situations? Well, I think one of the things that leaders need to do a whole lot more of is self-reflection and self-introspection. As as leaders, when you when you start to start to increase your success in business, leaders tend to find that you know their way is the best way, mm-hmm. and they frequently lose sight of the idea of looking in the mirror and saying, "Okay, well, how can I continue to get better." And so the first step that I would recommend for any leader out there is to look in the mirror and try to understand, okay, not only what are the things that I do really well, but also what are some of the other things that I do that maybe don't hit the mark? Maybe there are some things that that I do, some communication patterns that I exhibit that don't really hit the mark all the time with people. And I would say that if leaders can better understand both their strengths as well as some of those things they don't do quite so well, they're going to be in a position to, to, uh, to be a much more effective leader overall. 
So, so I'm hearing, Brett, you're saying, before I get to Evans on that, I'm hearing you're saying that if that leader starts with him or herself by doing some self-reflection, then that might be a place. But they may see things in themselves or not able to see the things in themselves that are actually creating this problem, right? Because we know ourselves. So then, then what? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So self-reflection is great. However, self-reflection is just yourself, right? And if you have blind spots, you're still going to have blind yes. spots yeah. even if you're looking for them. So there are actually two things that, that we recommend and that we do ourselves. One is we make use of a lot of assessments, self-assessments. So, um, so we've created our own emotional intelligence survey that people on your show can uh, can use and we can tell them how to do that but other assessments that are out there you know leadership assessments um, you know disc assessments anything that will collect some other information and give you some feedback that you might not normally see that's a fantastic tool for leaders to use the other thing is ask the people around <laughs> you for feedback and you can do that either in a casual one-on-one kind of way, or you can use various exercises with your team. Like we use an exercise that we call the appreciation seat, Kingsley. And with the appreciation seat, what we do is we tell a team, hey, get everybody around a table or these days on, on a Zoom call <laughs> <laughs> or a Skype call and have everybody do two things. Share what does the what do the other people do that uh, enables the team to thrive, and what is something that the person does that kind of slows down the team, or maybe they don't do quite so well. And we actually use this uh, with our team, Kingsley. And one time when we did it about eight years ago, I had a team member say to me. Well, the thing that you do, Brett, that really helps us is you're always ideating. You know, you're thinking about the future and you're 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 on to like what you know what's the next thing for us, and that's great. And I know that about myself. I happen to be a, a leader that is is kind of future looking. That's one of the things that I know I bring to the table, and so that was a real big reinforcement to me. But when Renee, who's the one who was giving me the feedback, when she came back around, she said, "You know, the thing that you do that slows me down." She caught me off guard because she said, the thing that slows us down is you're always ideating. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? And she says, you know, we, we make a decision that we're working on a project, probably an idea that you came up with, and we're starting to work on it, but you're already on to the next thing. And so that was an opportunity for me to learn something about myself that was a complete blind spot to me. So... Again, that happened eight years ago, and I still today have Renee's voice in the back of my mind. Whenever I'm like giving out some new ideas, I always ask myself, "Hey, am I am I am I being too forward looking here?" So that's there, there's two ways that people can get more self reflective. You know, and I like that, but I, I and I think as I was, you know, as thinking through that and wondering. Evans, you, as you heard, Brett talked about the idea from blind spots and self-reflection. And how have you found that to be true in your own approach, whether in your own personal life, as Brett shared his own personal story? Because I think it's so important for a leader to hear that that is, is, um, that, that takes place, right? So I wonder what would that be like for you? Well, it, it's very similar, actually. And, and uh, Kingsley, I'm going to actually go to one of your podcasts that I was listening to. Uh, not too long ago, where you talked about kind of the five uh, things that are really important for entrepreneurial leaders. And one of those is curiosity. Yeah. 
and, and, and that's the big thing for me. It's, it's when we can remain curious. The, the, a good leader, when he hears something that doesn't agree with what he already believes, says, wonderful, what can I learn about this? How could I, what's the different frame that may help me increase my own learning? If I can't hear those things, if I can't re- retain that curiosity, then I've limited myself to what I've already grown to. So for me, it's about maintaining that curiosity. We see it happen in a lot of different ways. Uh, Brett mentioned that we use assessments. We use assessments and frequently we'll have people who are really struggling with one another. They, 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 they have a mismatch in how they communicate. But when they can actually kind of peel that back and actually have a little bit better language for looking at it and for seeing how those differences are, all of a sudden we find that a lot of things start to resolve. We called our book Solving the People Problem. Not because we believe in any way, shape, or form that people are a problem, because they're not. But our inability to recognize, appreciate, and actually honor the differences, because we are all different, that becomes a problem. makes our communication more difficult. It makes it more difficult to lead, to follow. It makes it more difficult working in teams. When we have conflict situations, those little differences are, are like the drip, drip, drip that make little things into big issues that we need to deal with. When we can get back, when we can kind of understand ourselves better and then also understand others better and start to apply that knowledge, that's where our emotional intelligence rises. And it's why emotional intelligence is so critical for all of us, because that's what actually enables us to actually get to the work rather than having to work on the relationships. Mm-hmm. Because we, we, if that's just the underlying thing is that we're building those relationships all the way along, it's much easier to get to really difficult issues because we don't have that fog of imperfect communications with one another. You know, and I think as I'm hearing you, Evans, you're saying, and it sounds like the way you're framing that, that when a person as a leader begins with curiosity, he or she is almost like putting themselves in a place where I don't know it all. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to discover. Now, if that leader took that position, what might that do to their people if they saw the leader becoming more curious? What might be some things that advantage for that for that person? It's a huge advantage. If you think in terms of uh, how many organizations struggle with change, we all know that we're going to resist change that's just handed to us. Here's what I want you to do. When we're able to engage as part of that conversation and creating that change, we're much more likely to go forward with it. So showing a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of that curiosity, a little bit of asking people to go on the journey with you is a wonderful way to get people to go, you know what, actually, you're a better leader. Not because you have all the answers, but because you're bringing us with you. You're making us part of that journey, part of moving forward. And and it, it is amazing to watch this the, the shift that can happen with a team when a leader kind of steps up with that curiosity, actually invites people. Mm-hmm. Many, of, many of the leaders we work with spent too much of their career thinking they had to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. The world's much too complex for that. We can't. Right? When we can actually engage others, then the possibilities become almost endless. But, but it really starts with that curiosity. You know, I, 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 I want to come ask you a question, Brett, too, because I think um, Evans raised something, and I wanted to, you can fill in what you were about to say, Brett, but I, I, I wonder, though, when the curiosity, and he used the word vulnerability, because sometimes that is so important. And so you can start with what you're about to say, Brett, but I would like to also add, what might be an advantage for that leader, he or she, of, try, of learning to be vulnerable 
to their people because sometimes they hear a negative tone and they hear that word. You know, it's like I'm showing my weakness and people might take advantage. How would you dis- discuss that or expand on that so that the leader can hear that this may be a good thing to tie into the curiosity as Evans mentioned? That's It's a great point. The idea about, about being vulnerable, there's a misconception that a lot of us have that says – if I'm vulnerable, that means I'm weak. And when it comes to leadership, we couldn't believe that to be more untrue than than it is. Vulnerability is really you know, in, in the things you write about Kingsley in the emo intelligent uh, emo intelligent leader. You talk about win win solutions, right? And and that's what it's about when a, when a leader is vulnerable. That means that that leader can say, I don't have all of the answers. You can be confident in your role as a leader, which is all about drawing out good ideas from the team and making sure that everyone on the team has what they need so that they can see can succeed. But if you're vulnerable, that means that you can say, I don't have all the answers. And team, let's figure that out together so that we can create what you talk about win-win opportunities and win-win outcomes. That, to me, is what vulnerability is all about. You know, I love the framing and the way you guys are articulating this um, whole idea of leadership and the, the lens through which you're looking because it, it, it is so um, refreshing, number one. Number two, I think it also kind of goes against some of the leaders leadership things out there. So I really love the fact that you guys are looking through this lens. My question, though, is this. Um, sometimes these things are have been modeled for us or we learn we have a, a special opportunity to have learned that somewhere right and so i wonder if this i know you guys are the experts you've written the book on you know solving the people problem but would there be someone in your life that you would say hey some of these things i've learned from this person and if i was to give that person a trophy or the award this is the person i would give for like what i've learned and how they've influenced my life in leadership who would that be and why well, I, I've been blessed uh, actually with several of those. So um, hopefully I've got a, a, a closet full of awards because I've got a few on my hand. I'll just, I'll just tell you one because I don't want to drag this out for people. Um, my first job after I got out of the Air Force, I flew for Uncle Sam for, for a while. My first job out of the Air Force, uh, I worked actually in the financial services industry uh, for a company, middle of the country, mutual fund company. And uh, our owner, um, who was very active in the company, uh, really taught me a couple of very, very important lessons. And I, uh, so uh, he ate in the company uh, cafeteria mm. every day, but he never ate with the executives. Ah. He would go and he would sit down with a team, any team, random team, uh, to c- create that tie to who founded the company, who did everything with the company. It was all about knowing his people. I never saw him speak at a company gathering where he would get everybody together uh, without actually getting tears in his eyes about how much the company meant to him, the people meant to him. It was about his relationship with each and every person at that organization. Our company phone directory was my first name. There was an expectation that you would be personable and, and want to work with anybody. It, he set a, He set a model for what I wanted to try and become as a leader. So we, we learn from our leaders. We either learn models of what we want to become or models of what we don't want to become. But, but he's one of my heroes. He was, he was very, very 
well off, but that was didn't matter to him anywhere near as much as the relationships of the people he had the opportunity to work with. Um, so he he's just he's one of my heroes. It's it's something that has really stuck with me. Now well, let's just not admit that this is a little bit like three decades ago. Um, but no, he's just yeah, he's still a very important kind of uh, kind of memory for me. So thank you for the, that opportunity to kind of uh, talk about it. Of course, awesome. What about you, Brett? Yeah, I, like like Evans, I, I need a box full of trophies because I've learned from a lot of people in my lives. Um, but I, I'd have to say the biggest in the first trophy would have to go to my dad. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but one that's very specific is that my dad taught me to be respectful of everybody. My, my dad was a entrepreneur, started a very successful uh, uh, automobile sales and leasing company, and so he, he, he did well in his own right. And I never saw him speak down to anybody. I never saw him... Uh, come across as thinking he was better than anybody. So we'd go out to restaurants and you know treat the waiters and the hostesses and the hosts with the most respect possible. Uh, you know, I'd see him interact with his secretaries and his assistants and uh, different people in the workplace, always with pure respect. And there was never any kind of hierarchy in my dad's life. And I, I, that is something that I've definitely adopted from him. And to me, the whole idea around leadership is around you know, respecting others, honoring others. And, you know, I, I, leadership is a role. And it's not a role that's any more important or less important than other roles. It's just a role on the team. It's kind of like if you have a football team, sure, a lot of people think that the QB, you know, the quarterback's the most important role. But I'll tell you what, if that center doesn't do his job and doesn't block for that quarterback, that quarterback ain't going nowhere, right? So, uh, yeah. so yeah, that my, my trophy first goes to my dad for teaching me to respect people. You know, I appreciate you both sharing that, and thanks for thanks for doing that. And I think you know, which which raised a curiosity part for me here because I think that you both wrote a best-selling book, and I can see how how part of what you're framed in how you describe these people in in your lives who have been influential and impactful, and how you've been talking about leadership and people. And I mentioned that you're more people-oriented. I can see why. Solving the people problem would be a very appropriate title. So the two questions in one. And the first one, how did you guys come to work together for so long? And how did you guys get to connect to this, at this level? And then to have written this book called Solving the People Problem. And so, and what, um, who is that directed at? So I guess it's three questions in one. Gotcha. Well, uh, uh, Kingsley, I'll go ahead and start. And Evans and I have actually been working together for almost 20 years. Uh, we got started, we were both with a consulting company that focused on Lean Six Sigma process improvement. So we were doing work around uh, you know, process improvement and continuous improvement and uh, streamlining uh, how work gets done. And we, it's interesting, I, I, I kept having executives tell me, hey, we want this lean thinking to be part of the DNA of our organization. And while we we were able to complete a whole lot of really good projects, one of the things that was elusive was that idea of really a, a more healthy culture. And what Evans and I realized when we were working together way back then 
was that we weren't putting enough emphasis on the things we're talking about in this show, leadership, teamwork, helping people work together. So in uh, 2011, we actually left that other organization and decided to start this company, Integris Performance Advisors, to continue the journey on Lean Six Sigma, but also to bring leadership and teamwork into it. And over the last, what, almost nine years now, uh, we've just seen so many organizations thrive because of the focus on these issues around people and relationships. And um, Evans, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you to uh, to say why we ended up writing this book. Sure, sure. So uh, as, as Brent mentioned, what we found was all of a sudden when we started adding the leadership, teamwork, and the people development, all of a sudden Lean and Six Sigma became something people could actually do. Mm-hmm. So one of our clients, one of our first clients actually um, – had tried to institute some continuous improvement in their organization and it hadn't really gone anywhere. And about two years into this, they decided, well, we want to start again. So we approached them about doing it in a very, very different way and not actually doing any continuous improvement to start. Putting that to the side and actually just working on who they were, where they wanted to go, what they wanted to be, then layering in the tools. And, um, the second, second, uh, uh, the deputy at that organization came from one of the big consulting firms, and I got a frantic call from her, what sounded like a frantic call from her, just before Christmas, about seven months into this engagement. And she said, we have a big problem. And I was very concerned because it was one of our first clients. And I said, oh, well, uh, what's, what's, what's going on? And she said, well, I had laid out a five-year plan for how we could turn this organization around. And we're here in month seven, but we're in year four of my plan. It's moved that much quicker. And it it is. It's really getting at it because all along we've been doing process improvement work, but we had been missing the key process in the whole thing, which wasn't the work process. It was our communication and our interaction process that really underlies any of the work we're going to try and get done. So we found that this was so impactful for some of our clients. And we kept hearing stories about how this was changing not only what they were able to do at work, but how this was actually changing people's lives as they started to get a little bit better understanding of who they were and who the people were around them and how that might impact their communications in a better way. That we just really kind of felt a need to say, we've got to kind of get this down and share this with a broader audience. Mm -hmm. We're having really good conversations with people, but we can't get to everybody. So we wanted to get a way for people to kind of start to get these ideas, start to have that kind of ring through. And those who kind of read emotional intelligence said, I, I, I got to get better at that. We're going to give them some better tools to help them move forward in that way quicker to really see what they could do. So we created the book, Solving the People Problem. We've got a website, solvingthepeopleproblem.com, and a couple of free tools that we've actually got out there for people to kind of go on their own journey and improve their emotional intelligence. You know, I, I think that's so cool. And by the way, I, I want to echo the thought of what Evans mentioned that, you know, solving the people problem.com is where you're, the website, but also there's a survey that's available to you that they have made so graciously available to you as that you're listening today. So if you're interested, which I know you are and should be by this time, you can go to solving the people problem.com slash disc um, hyphen EQ. And use the access code Kingsley, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y. And I have the link with the show notes, but again, just for you, it's solvingthepeopleproblem.com slash 
disc, D-I-S-C hyphen E-Q slash Kingsley. There you'll be able to get a free survey and actually start the work. And so you will hear more about that. You know, you'll be able to access more of that um, through their website. But also I wanted to ask, um, suppose someone should read that book. And if you could give me a quick summary of what might be a takeaway, what might be the thing that you would say by reading the book they would have and what would be um, helpful for them to actually dive in. So Kingsley, we wrote the book to be very, very practical. Evans and I appreciate academics. We appreciate in-depth researchers, but that is not us. <laughs> what we are is we are practical thank you, thank application you. people. <laughs> and so our book is actually written in two parts. The, the first part is... Well, our attempt at kind of the academics, it's it's an introduction that really uh, lays the foundation for what emotional intelligence is all about and also what personality style is all about. But the bulk of the book, part two, is laid out in six different chapters, and each chapter focuses on a business application or a business situation that each and every one of us face. So there's a chapter on decision-making one on communication, one on dealing with conflict, one on uh, dealing with teamwork, one for sales and customer service, and one for leadership. And in each one of those chapters, we tell some stories, we tell some stories about ourselves, and we have some uh, um, some stories from some of our clients as well uh, that they wrote for the book. But in each one of those, at the end of each chapter, we include a summary or a, a conclusion area that gives people very specific guidance on what they can do based on what kind of a personality style that they have, what they can do to improve in each one of those six various areas. So it's um, we, we've been getting some really great reviews. I think we're still at a five-star on Amazon, and I think that's because it is such a practical book. It's about practical application. So, you know, taking the, uh, reading the book and combining it with taking that free survey on our solvingthepeopleproblem.com website, I think is a great one-two punch that your listeners can use to kind of drive their own journeys. You know, I, I think that's, I appreciate you guys writing that book for someone like me because I am a simple guy. So that's, you know, when you start talking about being practical <laughs> and um, remove yourself from that, you know, I say, okay, Good. Uh, you know, so, so thank you for taking the time and thinking about people like me and other leaders who are actually looking for practical things to help them just to, to navigate this, this idea, this role, as you said, that they are in and knowing that it's only for a time they're going to be there and impacting and influencing people, people's lives. So I love the fact that you are people oriented. I love the fact that having people to you know, learn about their own state of emotional intelligence is high on the priority because when they do, everybody win. Like I said before, it's a win-win situation. So I appreciate that very much. So we're coming down towards the end of our time here, both Brett and Evans. And maybe if I had overlooked any one part that you guys may have wanted to say, I know we have both people here today, and I, I really appreciate that because you guys brought two great minds. And so, I mean, I feel like I'm in a candy store, you know, <laughs> and I may overlook certain candy. So I'm wondering if you were to kind of give us one more piece of candy that we might use to take with us that we may have overlooked in, in me grabbing the candies, what would that be? Well, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and go. Um, so for me, it, it really does go back to that curiosity thing. And I, I know I talked a little bit about curiosity up front. 
But part of what we want to get across and, and what we hope that people understand is all too often as people, we think in terms of right and wrong. Uh-huh. And we think if I have an approach, that's right. And the reality is it's not right and wrong in most cases. In most cases, it's different. And different starts to open up that ability to actually listen instead of defend. Right? Difference is, is being able to understand those differences, appreciate. And I always go back to the biggest thing that we can really do is we really want to get to where we can honor the differences. So when we walk, when we work with people who are different from us, can I understand that difference? But then can I honor that difference? It's not enough to say, okay, they're different. How can I actually honor that person? How can I actually show my respect for that person by changing maybe something I'm doing a little bit, by, by flexing a little bit, not changing who I am, but flexing my behavior a little bit to make it more possible for that other person to give their best to work with us. And, and, and that's the big thing for me. I always go back to the fact that this is really about being able to honor the differences. And, and, and for me, that's the candy in any relationship, yeah. right? It's being able to see somebody who's not the same as me. They're different. And to start to peel back the layers of all of those differences, and that wonderful tapestry that we all bring to life, that's what makes this so exciting, so much fun. And if I can open my eyes to it, I will consistently be surprised and delighted as I go through my interactions with other people. You know, I, I want to really appreciate that because you really went full circle on the curiosity and gave me just a visual because sometimes people wonder, how does that look? How does that sound? And that was so pointed and like the icing on the cake of really wrapping what curiosity is all about because by being curious about the differences, you can learn so much about yourself and others. So I, I want to thank you for really not just leaving us without having that peace. That was a, a finishing touch, so I really appreciate that. So thank you for circling back around to the curiosity idea and kind of fleshing that out for us. So that was beautiful. What about you, Brett, as we wrap things up here? Yeah, I, actually, I, I won't be additive to that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on that very thought of honoring the differences among us. Um, you know, this is a, a show about leadership and we should keep it there. But just across America right now, we're going into a situation where there's a lot of people that aren't honoring the differences yeah. in other ways as well. Right. Yes. I mean, yes. there's there's a political discussion going yes. on. And I would argue that the the idea around honoring the differences is something that doesn't apply just to us as leaders in our workplaces it applies to everything in our lives so if if this book that Evans and I wrote around solving the people problem can help people have a little bit more of that introspection and start to recognize the differences and honor those differences then I I've, I'm feeling good about the role that we get to play in other people's journeys. And again, solvingthepeopleproblem.com is where you go, but also get the book, Solving the People Problem, Essential Skills You Need to Lead and Succeed in Today's Workplace. And it's available on Amazon. I'm sure after listening to this interview today, you want to make sure you get your hand on that book. And don't forget, there's a survey waiting for you at solvingthepeopleproblem.com slash disc, D-I-S-C hyphen E-Q forward slash Kingsley, your boy. Just make sure you put that in and you'll get the access to that survey. Links will be in the show notes that follow this um, episode today. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for your time and for such um, great uh, deposits. And I really, really uh, 
appreciate and learn so much from you both. And um, thank you for, for delivering above and beyond for my audience today. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you, Kingsley. Thanks. And there you have it, my friend. You have heard two people today, both Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan, as they talk about leadership and what makes that leader, you, more effective. And I I hope today, as you leaned in and listened, that there is something that you found most helpful. We would love to know what that is. Help us know what stood out to you. What will make a difference? And you can do that by sharing that in the comments, wherever you see this posted on social media, especially LinkedIn. And or you can actually leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcast so that we can actually see that and others can go there and see it and find this show even much easier and quicker. And I know that you want that to happen. So I really, ahead of time, say thank you for doing that. We do appreciate that. You actually today listened to veterans, people who have had a vast amount of experience. And I, and I really think is what they're doing is helping you to become better. And this is just one way you can show your appreciation. So don't forget, or let me just phrase that differently. Remember, you can go to the link that was provided and actually make sure that you get the access to what both Brett and Evans suggest that you can do by going to their website. Remember now that website that you need to go to is solvingthepeopleproblem.com, solvingthepeopleproblem.com slash disc, D-I-S-C hyphen E-Q, right? So it's solvingthepeopleproblem.com, D-I-S-C dash E-Q, no space, and dash, put my name, Kingsley, right? The access code is Kingsley. That is what you need to do. And you will be able to have access to the resources that you heard mentioned in this episode. So I look forward to you putting your hands on that. So thank you, my friend, for being here. I do appreciate that. Like I've said many times, without you, this show would not be possible. And we are really, really cranking things up reaching to many countries around the world and growing in leaps and bounds. And so I want to give a shout out to Australia. You made this the highest percentage of listening and downloads this time around. Let's see which other country will now take the lead. And Australia, don't let them beat you now. Don't let them beat you. Keep on doing what you're doing. Again, I do appreciate you being down under and doing a fabulous job. So thank you for everyone wherever you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this show. Now, as we wrap things up, I need to put the show back into the vault and then we can say our goodbye. So before we wrap things up, I want to mention that you now take something you've heard that was most helpful to you and go and conspire someone. You conspire others by simply taking something that was inspiring to you on the Kings of Grand show and when you share that with someone else, you're conspiring them. So let's go inspire someone today and make someone's life much better, someone's job much better, and 
make a leader more effective. With that said, my friend, let's put the show back into the vault and then say our goodbyes. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. There it is. Now that this show is safely tucked away in the vault, I can make my way from the command center at the Immortelligent Leadership Institute, make my way out. And with that said, my friend, now that I am out, peace out. God bless. And I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah. Yeah.